I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi there! Welcome to History in Retrograde. This is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past. I'm your co-host, Chandler O'Quinn, and joining me live via satellite is my mom. Hi, Mom! Hi, Chandler! Are you ready to begin another grand experiment? Yes, I'm very ready. All right, let's give it a whirl. Yes, and thank you all for listening to our podcast. We're so excited. We see you're listening in Belgium and Greece and all over the United States and all over the world. It's very exciting, isn't it, Chandler? Yes, it's very exciting to see uh, this little uh, idea of ours uh, is uh, being listened to by people uh, all over uh, the United States and, uh, yeah, all over the world, Europe, uh, England, Ireland, uh, uh, Belgium. It's uh, really fascinating, and we uh, thank you all for uh, going along with us on this journey, and uh, hopefully you're uh, enjoying all of our uh, experiments here, and uh, hope to continue to entertain and educate uh, for many more episodes to come. Yes, and we love you. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. So, and for those of uh, you who may be joining us for the first time, uh, I will let you know how this podcast works. Uh, in a moment, I will give the astrological birth data of a random historical figure uh, to my mom. Uh, that is the uh, birth date, time, and location. Uh, but I will not give her the name. Uh, now you, the uh, listening audience at home, already know who this historical figure is. It is in the title of today's episode. I, of course, know who the person is because I selected the person. But Mom has no idea who this person could be. She will input that birth data into the BAT computer, and out will come the astrological birth chart, where all the planets, stars, and moons were at the moment that person was born. She will then give us uh, an initial reading, a blind reading of that chart, uh, telling us to the best of her abilities uh, what the different personal motivations were, the uh, characteristics of their personality, and uh, the fortunes of this uh, mystery history guest. Uh, I will then reveal who our guest is, and then uh, we will talk together about how accurate the chart is at uh, showing us what that person actually did. Uh, so without further ado, let's begin. Okay. Uh, so this will be a female. All right. Uh, born the 22nd. Oh, that's a good date. <laughs> of December. Okay. Uh -huh. 1912. Oh, okay. Do we have a time? Mm-hmm. 5.32 p.m. Okay, and where? Uh, the United States. Okay, and town? Karnak, Texas. Hmm, interesting. K-A-R-N-A-C-K. Okay. Mm -hmm. There it is. Mm-hmm. 
Now, for those of you who do not know, uh, Mom and I are very proud Texans, and I think that it <laughs> is about time uh, that we had a Texan in all this business. Heck yeah. All right. Let's take a look at this person. Oh! <gasps> <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's make it a little bit bigger. Okay. So, oh my. All right. Uh-huh. 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 Okay. This is definitely a chart that we would describe as a dynamic chart. Uh, uh -huh. there are, it's not even real. I think it's well distributed. It's not really concentrated at one end or the other. There's a uh, uh, but lots of uh, uh, lines and dashes and uh, things that I have <laughs> no idea what they mean. Uh, but I can tell that this is a very dynamic personality. Well, I, I can tell you right now that if you look at this right down here in the corner, which I don't know how many people can. No one can see it if they're just on the podcast. But uh, these different color codes here uh, go to these different colors. And it'll mm -hmm. tell you. Like, this is a trine. This is a... a, a uh, this is a uh, a conjunction uh, or a square. Here's squares. See, so it'll show you all these different all the different aspects of it. So in this particular situation, you are you're learning, Chandler. You're learning. Yes, this person has planets distributed mostly across the upper hemisphere of the chart, but they do have uh, a few a, a good significant amount of planets in the sixth house. This person has North Node in Aries in the 8th house. I mean, oh, North Node uh, in Aries at 8 degrees in the 10th house. So clearly this person would have been a very dynamic career person. This person would have been a leader in their career or very, very motivated. Uh, definitely career-minded and then mm -hmm. you add all of this sixth house which is work right so 10th house is more your career and goals and things like that and this person has their north node um conjunct their uh uh oh the word went away from me right now but i'll get it in a minute anyway having this all in the same area of the 10th house makes them even more career minded should be if they're following the North node, you always hope people do follow the North node and not go back to the South node, which would make this person more of a homebody, right? So that's not what I think is happening here. And then this person has sun at zero degrees Capricorn with Jupiter and Mars and Mercury, all in Sagittarius. Oh my, this is a very independent woman. Uh huh. This is a woman. I mean, there's one thing when you have like the Catherine Hepburn episode where we saw all the Taurus that is bullheaded, like really stubborn, can be very um, driven you know, to get her point, to get her way. This particular person can be very driven to be free, a free mm -hmm. spirit, uh, a, uh, a person who is very fiery, um, could have a bad temper, uh, could, uh, be very motivating, could also be, um, definitely probably a good hunter, <laughs> Probably a really good hunter. But uh, then having sun at zero degrees, it's almost like this is a person who is a quadruple Sag because sun at zero degrees gives you five degrees into Capricorn and five degrees into Sagittarius, right? And all of this concentrated in the sixth house, house of work. And also it could be house, it's ruled by Virgo. So it could be communications. It could be um, medical any of the things that Virgo rules, right? Organization, very organized, um, 
very analytical, uh, all of these things. So this person has sun and Jupiter, which is, you know, your luck and your fortune conjunct Mars, which makes them very, very motivated. See here we have North nodes and North node and Aries, right? In the 10th house. Well, you know, uh, Mars rules Aries. So if they have their Mars in Sag in the sixth house, they're very motivated. And then also with Mercury conjunct that. So there's a lot of business where work is concerned. Uh -huh. Very, very a lot with work. Now this is another one with Cancer rising. Five degrees Cancer rising with Neptune 25 degrees cancer. So this person would appear to be uh, a very, I think having Neptune in the first house also makes you kind of chameleon-like. It would be really good for an actor uh, because they could just become whatever it was, right? Because it's Neptune in the first house. So they have that imaginary ability, that, that ability to, to be a chameleon. Uh, it could also just make them really super creative or also any of the things that have to do with, um, you know, Neptune, which is uh, your imagination, your creativity, your um, uh, uh, psychic ability, all of these things um, in the first house, which gives them a double water they're, they're, because they've got Neptune in Cancer and cancer rising and uh neptune is a water sign also you know what i mean neptune rules pisces so that's a lot of water in the first house uh this person might actually maybe want to live by water i don't know um then we have venus conjunct uranus in the eighth house and that's in a Aquarius. Interesting. Interesting. In the eighth house. So what this person, this is another person I think who, who, who is very interested in humanitarian pursuits. Uh, it's possible that they have some legacy with humanitarian. Maybe, uh, it's maybe their, their family were humanitarians of some sort or um, and then also that Uranus in Aquarius in the eighth house, which Uranus is ruled by, um, I mean, uh, Aquarius is ruled by Uranus. So that would also give you that, uh, unexpected, it could even be unexpected death, unexpected, uh, inheritance, unexpected gifts with Uranus, with uh, Venus there, but definitely a love or should have been a love of humanitarian pursuits. Mm -hmm. Then in the ninth house, it's Chiron and Pisces. Ninth house. Chiron. Chiron is the wounded healer. So if this person was a philosopher or a traveler um, something having to do with karma, with travel, philosophy, some pain involved there, some, some painful lesson that had to be turned into the growth, right? Because that's what Chiron is. The wounded healer, you start with the painful aspects of it. And then when you get into the growth of it, you are, um, you are, more of a, of a healer and a teacher in that aspect. And with it being in the ninth house in Pisces, it could also have something to do with uh, Piscean things, um, psychic abilities, creativity. Uh, there is a dark side to that too. There's a, the, the, the Pisces has the light fish and the dark fish which gives you, you know, a uh, Pisces can be very, um, uh, uh, mm, I they can be to where they're not, they're not 
gregarious. You know what I mean? A dark side mm-hmm. Pisces can be very quiet and only to themselves, be very okay. private. Uh, that's a possibility in this situation. Okay, let's move to, um, this is Saturn in Taurus in the 11th house. Saturn, uh, 28 degrees Taurus in the 11th house. So this person has lessons with groups of people. Uh They need to learn how to interact and uh, uh, either be a part of the group or lead the group. I would say lead the group because Uh of this situation where they have so much leadership here, right? So their their uh, Saturn is in Taurus, which makes them quite uh, determined. Uh-huh. Taurus people don't give up. They will not. They're like Irish people. It's like all Irish people are Tauruses, but they, <laughs> <laughs> they won't. They'll just die first. But uh, uh, yeah, so uh, less definite lessons with uh, groups of people, possibly even like mothering groups of people that that uh teaching aspect of it and then having moon in gemini conjunct pluto in gemini that's very interesting because moon conjunct pluto can mean uh that your mother is very powerful it could mean that you surround yourself with other powerful women it could mean that, I mean, because it's in Gemini, it is communicative, right? So very, uh, uh, um, very communicative about your emotions, very hmm. able to communicate about emotions. And then with that Pluto there, it could be a very powerful woman. This could be meant to be a very powerful woman in the 12th house is, you know, your karmic house. It's, it's, uh, it is uh, how it's it's another, you know, it's a different way of looking at your North Node. So your 12th house can be karma. And in this situation, this has moon conjunct Pluto. So perhaps this person has karma with powerful women or she is karmically inclined to be a powerful woman. It can also mean death and rebirth. Like I said, it could mean uh, the possibility of losing her mother or, um, yeah, the possible, I mean, everybody eventually loses their mother, but in this situation, it could be very powerful and very emotional, like a really intense situation with the loss of a mother. Um, am I, am I close at all? Yeah. Yeah. Am I? Oh my, I'm always surprised when I'm close. <laughs> okay. So, um, in the other houses, I'm really not like, you know, I don't want to go into all the oppositions and the squares and all that because that would take forever and uh but this is just like a general overview so i am i am close is do you have any questions um so uh you you kind of touched on it with the mother but i would like to see uh, what can you tell about both of the parents so uh, anything there about the mother and the father okay well when you look at a chart and you think of the mother the mother's the moon right so in this situation, I would think that this person had a very powerful mother, uh, that either her mother was very powerful or we had the, the sad side of Pluto, which is death, you know, mm-hmm. um, which would have really impacted this person that yeah. their mother had passed. Right. Yeah. And then on the other side, you have the father, which is the son. Right. Which is uh, zero degrees. S U N for those of us listening. Yes, yeah, sun S U N, like you know the sun that we revolve around. But uh, yes, yeah, so you look at the sun for the father, and uh, that is at zero degrees Capricorn. He would have been a, a a fatherly man. He should have been a a decently fatherly man. Um, hmm. Or, uh. Who, but I mean, it's zero degrees, so he could have been a wild man, you know. I mean, it's zero degrees Capricorn, so that pulls back into Sag. He could have been a really earthy man. Could mm. have been a really, uh, again, like that hunter, Sagittarius, wild man aspect, you know. Uh, if he was more of the Capricorn aspect, then that would be more, you know, business minded, uh, financially responsible. Unless you're the dark side of Capricorn, which would make you a manipulative group. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, there's aspect, each of the signs has, you know, 
two aspects and you can go versions of that. You can do different versions of it in a lifetime, you know? Yes. It just all depends on, on where you are. And uh, so does that make sense? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, what role would nature play in her life? It should be huge. I mean, because of all the Sagittarian, all the Sagittarius right here, she mm -hmm. would, she should be very close to nature, animals, and 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 oh my goodness, uh, wanting to grow things, and mm -hmm. uh, I mean, just everything that has to do with nature. This would be a person who really, really respected nature and and liked to be in nature and animals. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I mean, that's her work. Like, this is her life's work because it's in the sixth house. This is what she wants to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know if she got to, but that's what she wants to do. Um, what sort of man uh, would she be, should she be looking for in a romantic partner? Okay, for that, we look to Mars. And... <laughs> She is Mars and Sagittarius, so she's gonna want kind of a wild man. Mm -hmm. She gonna want a wild man. She gonna uh -huh. want a, she she's gonna want a man, man, a real man, uh -huh. not 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 uh anything but. This would be very mm, wild man. Uh huh. Very fiery. Very uh -huh. unpredictable. Uh, yeah. Sagittarius men are. <laughs> I mean, if yeah, they're they could be pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. Um, what kind of wife or mother would she be? Well, she has Moon in Gemini in the twelfth house. So, honestly, I would think that she would be. Like, she has karma with being a mother. Her moon is in the 12th house. Like, she is supposed to be a mother. Um, Her Venus is in the 8th house in Aquarius. So, I mean, her because her moon is in Gemini, and Gemini is not necessarily, like, super uh, devoted. You know what I mean? Geminis are very... Um, cerebral like hmm. aquarians are very cerebral right mm -hmm. so she might not be the warmest but she would probably be very open to communicating with her children like um having them understand artistic things and maybe you know writing and communication and i don't know like more airy things like not mm -hmm. like if you had a cancer mom that would be like i love you and they say it every five minutes you know what uh -huh. i mean this woman wouldn't necessarily be like that she would be more um she would look at motherhood like the logic of it like they they these are my children and they need to be taken care of and they I, you know she would take care of all the logical things to take care of them i mean she would mm -hmm. love them but just not the same as like gushing she's not a gushing mother okay mm -hmm. um how would she do uh with uh, finances and business finances and business i think she'd be okay with that i mean she has leo on her second house cusp right so that would make her kind of uh dominant as a you know with finances you look to second house for finances usually but she has you know north node in aries in the 10th house and then all of this sixth house so i would think she would be really good with finances mm -hmm. uh well are there uh any other uh things that strike you from this uh, initial reading of the chart I think this person, this Neptune in Cancer in the first house, and then all of this Sag in the sixth house, and this Aries, I would think this person would be uh, a very strong person. I don't think this was uh, anybody that 
I mean, maybe they're still alive. I don't know. But I'm guessing they're not. They'd be very old. I can't remember what year it was. 1912. Yeah, they're probably gone. Uh, but I mean, she, uh, she, this is a very, very capable person. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I can't imagine that this person is weak in any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, that weak is definitely not a word associated. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. With this lady. <laughs> Uh, so I'll go ahead and uh, summarize uh, some of our findings from this initial uh, reading of the chart. Uh, so a dynamic career a leader a motivated in career. Very independent woman, driven to be a free spirit, motivating, quick temper, organized, analytical, work is very important to them. Ability to bend uh, in environment. Uh, Water is important. Uh, It's important to live by the water. Interested uh, with humanitarian pursuits. Unexpected death uh, and inheritance. Private, quiet, uh, keep to themselves. Uh, Lessons with groups of people. Uh, Lessons with leading groups of people. Uh, Mothering groups of people. Uh, The mother was powerful, uh, or she surrounds herself with powerful women. And uh, the losing of the mother was a very intense experience in her life. Nature is a huge part of her life. Uh, She wants to grow things. Uh, Growing things and nature are her life's work. Attracted to a wild man. Very fiery, very unpredictable. Uh, Karma with being a mother. Not the warmest, uh, but communicative. Uh, Dominant with finances. Are you ready to find out whose chart you've been reading? Yes, I'm ready. This is the astrological birth chart of Claudia Alta Taylor Johnson, otherwise known as Ladybird Johnson. <gasps> oh, no wonder she wanted to grow blue bonnets everywhere. That's so awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this makes a lot of sense. That's awesome. Claudia Taylor was born to Thomas Taylor and Minnie uh, Taylor. 
Uh, and she grew up in Karnak, Texas, uh, which is uh, deep in East Texas. It's very close to the the Louisiana border and is in the Caddo Lakes region. Uh, so she was surrounded with uh, all the piney woods and the uh, bayous and uh, uh, Spanish moss on the trees uh, and water uh, very much played an important li- uh, role in her life uh, growing up. Uh, her mother uh, passed away when Claudia was five years old. Mm. Uh, this had a very deep effect on her. Uh, she was uh, very uh, sad and spent a lot of time alone. Mm. Uh, and uh, she, uh, uh, to cope with all this, ran out into nature, was always uh, looking at all of the uh, wildflowers that were growing uh, uh, around where she grew up, uh, always uh, uh, in the lakes and uh, uh, doing things around nature, very important to her. It's what, where she, uh, uh, it's how she healed herself was being out in nature. Uh, she would often, uh, every spring, she would wait for the first tulip to bloom, and she would name that tulip the Queen Tulip. <gasps> I love that. Uh. Her nickname, Ladybird, uh, was given to her uh, by her nursemaid. Uh, her nursemaid said that she was as cute as a ladybird bug, and uh, that uh, name stuck with her uh, for the rest of her life. Uh, growing up, she excelled in her studies. Uh, she went to uh, high school a few miles away from uh, where she uh, grew up, and uh, she was all set to be uh, the valedictorian of her graduating class. Uh, she was, in fact, so smart that she recognized what her place was in the class and was so scared of giving a valedictorian speech that in her last a semester, she let her grades slip a little bit oh, so no. that she would not have to be the valedictorian and would not have to give that speech, and she would graduate third in her high school class. Uh, she would uh, uh, originally do one semester at the University of Alabama and then uh, came back home and wanted to go to a school a little bit closer, and so she did uh, two semesters uh, at uh, St. Mary's Episcopal College in Dallas. Uh, she uh, then, uh, after graduating uh, from there, uh, went to uh, that that school over there in Austin, the University of Texas. Uh, now, I, I will admit I'm a very proud Aggie, but I will not hold this against her because at this time in 1930, Texas A&M was not a co-ed school. So I guess that is a good enough reason to go over there to Austin. Uh, on her first trip to Austin, she uh, was uh, she flew in an airplane and landed in Austin and uh, was captivated by the fields of blue bonnets uh, that she landed in there. Uh, while at uh, the University of Texas, uh, she d- did not just earn one degree, but two. Uh, she earned a degree in history and then uh, graduated cum laude with a degree in journalism. Uh, upon graduation, uh, she had uh, ideas of uh, she her her biggest dream was to be the drama quit- critic for the Washington Post. Um, but in the subsequent uh, months, uh, she hadn't made a whole lot of progress towards that goal. Uh, she went back home, helped uh, work on uh, the house that she grew up in uh, during a renovation, and uh, she went on a trip. Uh, she went to New York City and she went to Washington D.C. And uh, she actually, there's a story where she stood in front of the uh, iron gates in front of the White House and took pictures. And that had a very uh, uh, important uh, mark in her life. Uh, But of course, she had no idea that uh, less than 30 years later, Mm -hmm. she would be the first lady of that house. Uh, The road towards that accomplishment uh, started in September of 1934, uh, where she met uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson. Uh, Johnson uh, was a uh, secretary for one of the uh, representatives uh, of Texas over in the U.S. House of Representatives, and uh, he was uh, back in Austin and uh, ran into uh, Lady Bird. Uh, he He was on another date at the time. Uh, with two other women. Oh, no! And at one point, uh, one of these uh, other ladies went to powder her nose, and the other lady wasn't paying attention, and Lyndon uh, got a hold of uh, Lady Bird and uh, told her to meet him uh, for breakfast at the restaurant at the Driscoll Hotel. 
Uh, now, Ladybird didn't know what to do with all this attention, and uh, anyone who knows anything about Lyndon Johnson, he's a very hard man to say no to. <laughs> uh, but Ladybird did not really appreciate this kind of uh, very forward way of, of approaching her, and uh, she was deliberating whether she would go or not, and then she decided that she would go to the hotel uh, to tell him that she didn't want to have anything to do with him. <laughs> Now, uh, the last thing you want to do is try to talk in person to Lyndon Johnson uh, to tell him that you're going to do something that he doesn't want you to do. Uh, he gave her the full Johnson treatment, and she eventually had breakfast with him, and then uh, they went out and they spent the whole day together, uh, over eight hours, I believe, driving all over Austin and uh, at one point, uh, 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 driving all over the back country road, seeing all of the nature that she loved and that he loved too. And there was definitely compatibility from uh, the very first moment. So much so that at the end of this first date, Lyndon Johnson asked her to marry him. Oh my! Uh, now, Lady Bird. Uh, had no intention of marrying this man uh, so quickly. This was so impulsive. She was a very uh, a conservative, moral person, a very fine Southern young lady. Uh, you don't just marry someone on a whim like this. And, uh, of course, Lyndon Johnson did not like uh, the answer of he would have to wait. Uh <laughs> Uh, one of these stories, I'm not, ex it's a little unclear if this is the same time or sometime during the courtship, they uh, took a trip all the way down to uh, Kingsville to see the King Ranch. And they stayed at a, uh, at a motel in Corpus and they got two separate rooms. Uh, but uh, when Lyndon saw Lady Bird uh, to her room, uh, she, he, she went in and slammed the door as quickly as she could because she was not sure what this man was going to be up to. <laughs> uh, so uh, Lyndon went back to uh, Washington, D.C. and wrote constantly uh, to Lady Bird uh, telling her how much uh, uh, she meant to him and how much he loved her and uh, that we need to get married. We need to get married right away. Uh, there, Lyndon Johnson was not a man who liked to wait. Uh, <laughs> so uh, th this matter of days and weeks was, was a torture to him. And uh, uh, Lady Bird writes in one of the letters, uh, you know, I, I know that I love you, but I don't know if I can love you forever. And uh, we need to know each other a little more. You know, rational, sane things to say. <laughs> well, Lyndon Johnson was not known for rational and sane. Uh, so uh, he eventually wrote a letter saying, if we don't get married now, if you don't know that you love me forever right now, uh, then we should just not see each other at all. Oh, and, no! Uh, eventually, after 10 weeks of knowing each other, they were married on November 17th, 1934, at St. Mark's Episcopal Church in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, and they uh, embarked on a, on a loving uh, marriage that would last uh, over 30 years. Um, now, in addition to uh, her, you know, they were really made for each other. Uh, she was looking for someone who was dedicated and ambitious, a hard worker and someone with ambition. There are talks uh, that people have had with other boyfriends that she had had before Lyndon, and th that they didn't measure up to, to the hard work, the perseverance, and ambition. And she certainly got that in Lyndon Baines Johnson. Johnson was looking for a woman who was very smart, uh, but very loyal, and she found that uh, he found that in Ladybird, uh, so they did have a, a very compatible relationship. It certainly had its ups and downs, and uh, Lyndon Johnson definitely had a wandering eye, but uh, they made it through. Another part of what made uh, Miss Claudia Taylor, uh, Lady Bird, uh, so attractive was that she did have quite a bit of an inheritance. In fact, uh, Lady Bird Johnson uh, bankrolled Lyndon Johnson's uh, first campaign uh, to, for the U.S. House of Representatives. 
which he did win. And then uh, later on uh, in 1942, uh, Lyndon Johnson uh, was in the House of Representatives, but he also was serving his country uh, in the Navy uh, during World War II. Uh, and he left his office to Lady Bird. Uh, and she was the one running all of the business of a congressman um, during this time while he was away uh, fighting in the war. And she did everything that a congressman could do except vote. Uh, she was dealing with uh, all of the local politics in the district and uh, figuring out uh, what was going on in all of the bills and everything. And um, this really prepared her. Uh, for something that she didn't think uh, was possible for her, but she uh, could actually handle an office, and she could actually handle these uh, responsibilities. And the next year, uh, she took some of her inheritance money and uh, invested into uh, KTBC, uh, the radio station in Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, she, uh, a little less than 10 years later, with the new advent of television, uh, she was thinking of making that a one of the first television stations in Central Texas. And uh, Lyndon Johnson thought that TV was just a phase, that, that this would not be a, a, a good investment. Uh, don't uh, put your money into that. And Lady Bird reminded him that it was her money and that she was going to invest it how she pleased. And so That she makes inv- sense. Yeah, that makes sense. She invested uh, into making it a television station, and uh, she essentially turned $17,000 into $150 million. <gasps> uh, she was the first uh, first lady in U.S. history to be a millionaire independent of her husband. That is amazing. And it's absolutely, I could see it right there. Yes. Uh, after the war, uh, Lyndon clearly was making uh, strides uh, as a representative in Texas. Uh, he had run for the Senate once and lost, and he ran again in uh, 1948 and won. Uh, you know, the, there's lots of stories on, on how um, kosher <laughs> uh, that win was. Uh, and actually, a lot of people, you know, want to focus on whatever was going on in Alice, Texas and Ballot Box 13. And that's all sorts of things that you can look into. But really, how the race got so close in the first place that it only took one ballot box to sway the election had a lot to do with Lady Bird. Uh, she was instrumental in uh, mobilizing female support for Lyndon Johnson. Um, there were a lot of people that were angry at Lyndon Johnson. Uh, he was a, uh, a, a man who was not averse to controversy, but there were tons of people who loved Lady Bird, and she was able to uh, convince people who might not vote for Johnson to vote for him uh, just for her sake alone. Uh, after the war, clearly, uh, Lyndon Johnson was uh, uh, going to continue his career in Washington, and uh, it had been over 10 years of marriage, and they had never had a home to live in. They were always renting, uh, renting an apartment in Washington, renting a house, renting someplace in Austin. And uh, after this 10 years, and it's clear that Johnson is successful, she wanted to buy a home in Washington, D.C., uh, so she did all of the uh, looking into all the papers and the real estate uh, sections, and uh, uh, she found the perfect house and uh, went there on a, a Sunday afternoon. That was probably the only time that Johnson could get away from work to look at a house, and it was the perfect house. She loved everything about it. Uh, they went to see the house uh, with uh, future Texas politician uh, John Connolly, uh, so it was uh, Lyndon Johnson, Lady Bird Johnson, and John Connolly, and uh, everyone loved the house. They walk away from the house, and uh, Lady Bird was sure that they were gonna uh, get the you know buy put the offer in and buy this house. And so they walk down the street a little bit, and eventually Lady Bird says, uh, "So when are you going to write the check uh, uh, for you know the the to put the offer in on the house?" and and Lyndon Johnson says, what are you talking about? We're not going to buy that house. And Lady Bird just started crying. She And, and it was not oh, tears no. of, of sadness. It was tears of anger. <gasps> uh, she was 
furious at all of the sacrifice that she had done for his career and everything that she had put into him and that he would not give her a home to live in to grow their family together and cussed him out and told him everything <laughs> uh, that he was doing wrong. And John Connolly looked at Lyndon Johnson and said, I think you better turn around and go give that man a check. <laughs> and, and, and Lyndon Johnson did, and they bought that house. Uh, so Johnson uh, continued his career in the House. He eventually was in the Senate uh, and uh, became one of the highest ranking Democrats in the Senate. And in 1960, uh, John F. Kennedy selected Johnson to be his vice presidential candidate. And uh, this was another time that uh, Lady Bird's role uh, was really stepped up um, because Jacqueline Kennedy was pregnant during the uh, campaign. And so Lady Bird was the one who was really making a lot of the speeches uh, that Jacqueline would have normally made. Uh, her role became greatly expanded. Uh, and uh, they did win uh, the 1960 uh, presidential election. Uh, Johnson became vice president. Uh, Lady Bird became the second lady. And then uh, the uh, tragic event of uh, November 22nd, 1963, uh, an assassin's bullet uh, claimed uh, John F. Kennedy's life. Uh, Lyndon Johnson uh, became the 36th president of the United States, and Lady Bird became the first lady. Um. After all of the uh, uh, horrific uh, uh, funeral and, and, and trying to negotiate with uh, you know, what was best for the Kennedy family, uh, Lady Bird uh, really made the office her own. And uh, she was actually the first uh, first lady uh, to have a chief of staff, to have a press secretary, and to have a congressional liaison. Wow. Uh, the these you know doing the research for this I I actually never knew these things I I would think Eleanor Roosevelt or maybe uh, Hillary Clinton or someone uh, was the first to do all these things but it was Lady Bird Johnson and she was the one who really transformed the office into being one of advocacy uh, so uh, one of her major projects was the uh, Capitol uh, beautification project. Uh, where uh, she planted wildflowers all over the D.C. area, and she specifically planted tulips. And uh, that was hearkening back to uh, how she uh, mourned for her mother hmm. uh, all those years ago when she was a child, taking that pain and using it to beautify the world. Uh, she said that uh, wherever uh, flowers bloom, hope blooms. And uh, so uh, the Capital Beautification Project and then uh, getting a, a bill passed, the Highway Beautification Act, uh, which was named the Lady Bird Bill. And there were uh, the distribution of millions of wildflowers all over the United States. Uh, and of course, uh, whenever you're in Texas in uh, March and April, you see the blue bonnets and the Indian paintbrushes and uh, all of the flowers everywhere. And th that is a direct effect of, of what this woman did. Uh, and it wasn't just about the flowers either. The, the, the act uh, was really one of the first environmental legislation. Uh, so talking about the cleanup of our highways that, you know, this was the, the 60s, very much a time where when you were done with with your to go food, you just threw it out the window. Uh, uh, so littering and the water was dirty and the lakes were on fire and all these things. And Lady Bird Johnson was one of these uh, first women to truly advocate for the cleanup and, and the protection of our environment in this time. Um, she was known as uh, Lyndon Johnson's Island of Peace. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, with all of the turmoil of the 1960s, with the civil rights movements, the protests, the Vietnam War... Um, he could always trust uh, Lady Bird uh, to uh, uh, console him and, and to give uh, him her honest opinion of what uh, should be done in the country. Uh, in 1964, uh, LBJ was uh, very upset with the Democratic establishment and uh, was thinking that he didn't want to run for president. Uh, he didn't like the way um, that things were, uh, that the uh, other people in the Democratic Party were treating him. And Lady Bird was the one who said, no, the country needs you. You need to run for president in 1964. And she put her, uh, her, her money where her mouth was. She went out and campaigned for him by herself 
This, again, was a first for First Lady. She did her own whistle-stop tour. Wow. Uh, it was four days, uh, and it was, I think, over 75 speeches, uh, just going through all these little towns in the South, uh, trying to get support uh, for Lyndon Johnson. Uh, of course, the, the, the South was very upset with Lyndon Johnson because of his support of the Civil Rights Bill. Um, but she was able to convince a lot of uh, these states that probably would not have voted for him otherwise to vote for him. And Lyndon Johnson won the 1964 presidential election in one of the largest landslides in election history. Um, and just as she was the counsel for him to enter the race in 1964, she was very much the counsel for him to exit the race in 1968. Um, Lyndon Johnson was uh, older, he was in poor health, and he was putting in 16, 18, 20-hour days. And uh, it, she was certain that if he did run in 1968, uh, he would not make it through a full presidential term. And even out of office, he barely made it through another presidential term, uh, dying in 1973. Uh, but she was very much uh, the, uh, the, the counsel for him. It, it, it was... Um, very important for him to have her along. Um, after Lyndon Johnson left the presidency, uh, there, there's a, a, another interesting story where uh, uh, Johnson had become almost completely dependent on Lady Bird. And uh, at one point they were on this uh, helicopter ride uh, going somewhere in Texas, and one of Johnson's aides was trying to uh, comb his hair. Um, after uh, leaving office, Lyndon Johnson let his hair grow long, and mm -hmm. uh, he was uh, 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 it was very messy, and this aide was trying to comb it and use uh, brill cream and stuff to try and settle it down, and he was very upset. Again, it was not happening fast enough for him, and <laughs> no. uh, uh, so uh, he, he said, Bird, Bird, I need you to comb my hair. And uh, uh, Lady Bird uh, was in uh, next to the pilot in the helicopter uh, cockpit and turned and said, Lyndon, I will do it when we get off the helicopter. And that settled him down. And then when they got off the helicopter, she fixed his hair for him. <laughs> Uh, in the 1970s, uh, she was made uh, one of the regents uh, for the uh, Board of Regents for the University of Texas system. And in fact, she was away doing this job uh, when uh, Lyndon Johnson passed away in January of 1973. Um, after a, a period of mourning, after Johnson was laid to rest, uh, Lady Bird uh, was still, uh, as First Lady, as a former First Lady, had a uh, Secret Service detail. And... Uh, a few uh, weeks, months later, she uh, convened all the Secret Service together, and she told them uh, to pack their bags because they're going to see the world. Uh, travel was something that was very important to Lady Bird, and she mm -hmm. really never got to do it while President Johnson was alive uh, because President Johnson always liked to be at the LBJ Ranch. That's where he needed to go to recharge himself um, so she didn't necessarily get to see everything that she wanted to while she was married to him. Uh, but after his passing, she got to go everywhere. And uh, she uh, uh, continued to be a, a representative for the United States um, all over the world throughout the rest of her life. In 1982, uh, she co-founded uh, the National Wildflower Research Center in Austin, Texas, uh, which would later be named uh, the Lady Bird Johnson National Wildflower Research Center. Mm. And there they hold seeds from the native uh, wildflowers from all over the United States and uh, do the uh, scientific research on them to make sure that we will continue to have uh, these beautiful uh, parts of our nature uh, for generations to come. Um, you know, doing all of the... I wasn't even really sure uh, when I started this project of i knew that she was important and i knew about the wildflowers and the a little bit of her role with lyndon johnson but i was completely amazed to learn all these little stories and i wish i i, I could uh i want to know more i hope you all will uh be encouraged to find out more about this remarkable woman this remarkable texan and uh, I, I'm very proud that for uh, six years, uh, the United States of America was uh, represented uh, to people from all over the world by uh, Miss uh, Lady Bird Johnson. That's beautiful. I love all that. That's really interesting. And I did not know all those things. 
but she was what just a wonderful woman. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, so are there uh, any things in the uh, chart that make more uh, sense now that you know who it is? Well, it definitely makes sense that she has that Venus and Uranus in the eighth house, because that would uh, definitely show inheritance. And uh, then the sad part about her mom passing. And, you know, I say that 29 degrees is the degree of sorrow and that Pluto is at 29 degrees with, con you know, conjunct that moon, not by orb, but definitely by sign. And so that's very sad. But um, yeah, I think that a lot of the financial aspects make sense and her not being able to travel at the beginning and then being able to travel at the end. That's very wounded healer, you know, uh, representing the United States and all of her travels and everything. It's a, a very, very dynamic chart, you know, and uh, she, if she had been born in a different time where she wasn't, you know, expected to get married or, or, you know, if she was just an independent woman and, and did her career first, I think that she could have been even, I mean, who knows, she could have run for president herself. I don't know. But I mean, she has a very uh, dynamic chart. And but, everything... you know, uh, she looked at Lyndon Johnson as her career mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and and he would not have succeeded uh, the, the way that he did without her. I think that's um, true. Yes. And, and, you know, for better or for worse, we are very much living in Lyndon Johnson's America. He completely transformed everything about government's relationship uh, to uh, to the regular citizen and the things with the civil rights bills and the Voting Rights Act um, mm -hmm. and his importance on education. All of that, uh, you know, I don't know how that would have happened had he not done it and he would not have done it without Ladybird. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. So that does make perfect sense that he is her career. Absolutely. Well, uh, on our scale of uh, right on the money to way out in outer space, I think this is another one right on the money. This is uh, who Ladybird was and, uh, it gives, I think, a lot of insights as well. Uh, the things that we know, but the things that we might not have known as well. I think that it's a very interesting, a very dynamic chart for a very dynamic woman. I agree, Chandler. I think she's quite a phenomenal woman and uh, had many, many accomplishments. And, and has provided for people's enjoyment, you know, so many things for and will be for decades to come and and she took a pain she took mm -hmm. the pain of her childhood and transformed that into beauty for everyone that is true that's very true amazing well that concludes another episode of history and retrograde uh, we'd like to thank you all for listening uh please uh, like share and subscribe to the podcast uh, if you're on apple podcast uh, you know that this uh podcast is all about stars so please uh, give us five stars and a uh, written review and uh, if you'd like to reach out and contact us we are at uh, history and retrograde at gmail.com and uh, without uh, any more goings on uh, uh, from uh, you know if the uh, stars if your houses are in order and the stars are aligned everything will be just fine uh, thank you very much for listening thank you for listening we love you Bye bye Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.